Welcome to Real Food, Real Conversations with Sophia DeSantis, where we focus on finding our happy balance between salad and fries. Welcome back to the Real Food, Real Conversations podcast. This is episode 84. And today we're going to be talking, kind of taking a little bit of a step back and talking about baby and feeding baby and all the good things about starting solids and um, how we are going to start their pathway in life of, you know, nutritious, healthy, delicious food. And I'm super excited because I have my friend Caitlin here today, and she's an expert um, all about this. And I'm going to let Caitlin introduce herself and tell you a little bit about her before we get started. Welcome, Caitlin. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Um, so yeah, I am a pediatric registered dietitian. So I see kids, I, I see mostly younger kids, but I can see kids anywhere from birth to about 18 years old. Most of the kids I see, I would say are babies who are starting solids or toddlers who are getting picky. And then I see, you know, some older kids, some kids with some medical conditions that may affect intake things like that. So my favorite thing to do, honestly, is starting salads. I love watching babies eat and explore. And it's just so much fun. So yeah, I have a private practice. I'm located in New York, upstate New York in the Saratoga Springs area. However, my practice is virtual. So I see clients from all over. Awesome. I love that. I love there's just so many options. um, Until I started this podcast and really my business in general, general, like meeting all these people. I just love how many options there are for parents nowadays. Um, because I think we can both agree that so much of your, you know, wellness overall, and especially your health when it comes to diet and, and all that stuff, it's so much better when you start at an early age. Um, yes, absolutely. For sure. And I think that I, I feel like there's, it, it can be confusing. So it's good that there are so many experts in so many different fields that you can kind of look to at this point and see what to do with your kids. Yes, totally. I mean, it, confusing. I mean, that's kind of like, oh my gosh, like, especially with the online world, there's so many um, online experts that really aren't experts. So that's kind of why I started this podcast, to be honest, is to kind of weed through a lot of that and bring in actual experts and um people that have had experiences and know what they're talking about when it comes to these things, especially when it comes to feeding your baby, because there's so many different things out there. Um, yeah, there is. And it's sometimes I think with social media, well, it can be the greatest thing ever. It can be hard to filter through, you know, totally. who actually knows what they're talking about and who doesn't. Totally, totally. Um, and there's so many ways when it comes to feeding your baby, there's so many ways you can go about it. And I don't think um, necessarily. I mean, of course there's some wrong ways, but in general, <laughs> the correct, you know, that the, the ways that, you know, there are many right ways you can feed yes. your baby. And, um, I think there's a lot of, you know, as I, my oldest is 11, just turned 11 on Halloween. And I remember when I started feeding him, like it was, it's just a lot of pressure. I mean, to do it quote unquote correctly and in a yep. certain way. And I kind of actually, I blocked out all the noise and I kind of went back to what felt right for me and kind of did like what my mom did. Um, And I honestly, I just 
fed him, you know, like what we were eating or pulled, like when he was really little, just pulled some things from what we were eating. I didn't really, you know, I don't know. I just put things in a blender and gave him food. And, um, my, my dad is an immunologist. So he actually, it's funny because now you, because when my kids were young, you couldn't give them peanut uh, nuts until they were one. Right. Well, that's what they said. Yeah. Well, and actually I didn't follow that. I actually followed my dad's advice, which was to start giving them nuts because he believed as an, from an immunology perspective, um, he's a doctor in immunology. And he just said that part of the issue is that kids aren't getting these allergens into their body. And so when they finally get them, their body is treating them as a foreign, um, you know, something that is, you know, not good for them. And so he's, he's like, Nope, give those babies nuts from the beginning. And I did. And all my mom friends were like, (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) what are you doing? Yes. And I'm like, dude, my dad is a I promise he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Yes, totally. Um, So why don't we like start at the beginning when it comes to solids? Why don't you give us some just kind of basics that um, maybe you tell your clients and um, people that might be interested in starting to feed their baby? Yeah, for sure. So first of all, it's so exciting to be able to start feeding your baby. I think that parents, um, like, like we said before, there's a lot of different correct ways that you can start feeding your baby. So I think, again, you see different things, you know, start at this time, start at this time, use this type of food, use pureed food, use, you know, regular solid foods. And there, there isn't one correct way to feed your baby. So that's the biggest thing. I think that parents need to follow exactly what you said you did, kind of what feels right for your family. Now, of course, there's some things that you can do that maybe aren't safe for your baby, or you could start when your baby's potentially too young. So of course, I would advise against those types of things. But as far as you know, what type of food you want to feed your baby, if you are more comfortable starting with pureed type of foods, then do that until you feel ready to move forward. If you want to go and you know, baby led weaning is extremely popular right now. And I do work on baby led weaning with tons of families, but other families just don't feel prepared or they don't, they're too nervous to start that way. So we start them on purees and then we kind of move forward from there. So my biggest advice is I think when your baby is ready, so there are, you know, certain signs of readiness to start with however you feel most comfortable and then kind of move forward from there. Um, What are those signs of readiness and um, around like what ages do you usually see those? Yep. So the biggest signs of readiness, one of them is to be able to sit unassisted. Now, they don't need to be sitting unassisted for like long periods of time, upright playing. That usually doesn't happen until later on. But if they can sit for a couple of seconds unassisted, or you're able to put them in their high chair and they can sit up really without being propped up and kind of lean forward towards their tray or the table, whatever you're feeding them on, that's the biggest sign of readiness. Um, A couple of the other things, one of them is the loss of the tongue thrust reflex. And what that means is basically when you put something into their mouth, you don't want their tongue to push it, you know, push against it back out of their mouth. And these things tend to happen, it it happens differently for each baby, which is why I never give a very specific age, but it does tend to happen closer to the six month mark. So traditionally we used to start solids around four months, but our more current research is showing that a lot of these, you know, readiness cues happen 
closer to six months. Now, if your baby is showing all of them at five months, then they may be ready to start. So it, it does depend on the baby, but typically around six months. Um, and one last big sign of readiness is that they're showing interest. So you can kind of tell when your baby's like reaching towards your food or watching every move you make, watching your spoon go to your mouth or reaching for your whatever's on your table at the time. So those are the big things. Um, currently the American Academy of Pediatrics does recommend closer to six months too. So I think that's um, a big source of confusion for a lot of families because it was a traditional recommendation to start around four months, but we are finding that that's a little bit too young usually at this point. And that, um, that's so funny what you said, like showing interest. My, my kids showed interest like really early. And I was yeah, like, dude, right. you, you're not ready to eat. Right. But they were, I mean, I did start feeding. Um, I did, I did start with baby cereal myself. Yep. Um, just because they were showing interest, but yeah. like closer to that four month range. But I didn't like, you know, they weren't like, they, they were kind of starting the other stuff, but they weren't like a hundred percent there, right. but they were like, literally, but, but the funniest part about that is my oldest, especially started interest so young, Yeah. but the funniest part about it is he is the biggest foodie in the entire world. Like he loves food and always oh, has, <laughs> um, and so my second one as well, like he started showing interest and actually the funny with thing with him is he would scream. Like he wanted and, it so bad. Oh my God, scream. And <laughs> when we started actually feeding him, I remember I started with him. I did start some baby cereal, but I, one time I was eating, it was, um, yes, it was spring. Cause he was born in February Okay. and it was like, end of, like, it was like June-ish, like he was close to four months and he was just, just really wanted food. And I was eating peaches. Like my, my friend's mom um, had a peach tree and she gave me these incredible juicy peaches. Yeah, and he well, was like, was food. yes. And so <laughs> I, I peeled some skin and I pureed a little and in between bites, he would scream until I would put the food in peach in his mouth. <laughs> That's hysterical. Yeah. So oh yeah, definitely can show interest before that point, of course, especially I think too, like if you're, you know, as a family, if you like pull them up to the table or like, yes, and we did laugh or whatever yes. it is, and they're seeing what you're doing. They're like, Hey, what is that? I want to be. A yeah. Yes. They were totally into that. Um, it's just was so funny. Um, so yeah. And I love that you said there's just so many different ways. Cause I did the purees, um, yeah. just because I, to be honest, I had heard about baby led weaning, but I didn't really know a ton about it. And I just did, I just made what we made. And I guess I might've done a little bit of it too. Cause I did give them more, um, softer like chunks and it had them like, you know, you know, work on it. But, yep. um, it, I just kind of did what came to me instinctually. <laughs> but if you could maybe talk about a little bit more about those different options. So people that might be listening that really don't know, that would be awesome. Yeah, definitely. So first of all, what baby led weaning even is, is it really, I like to refer to it as infant self-feeding because that's the big premise behind it. And even if you start with purees, you can kind of do this infant self-feeding. So baby led weaning, I think people think of it as you're giving your kids real whole foods in a safe consistency. So for example, these kids may start instead of with pureed foods at all, they may start with bananas and avocados and, you know, strips of soft food. You could do steamed apples, things like that. Um, 
And they think that if you want to follow this baby led weaning method, you can't serve purees at all. And that's not necessarily true. I always tell parents that a huge premise of baby led weaning is to get your infant to feed themselves. Um, so if you're more comfortable doing purees or if, you know, that's just easier for you, whatever the case may be. All I have parents do is put it on a loaded spoon. So a small infant feeding spoon, you put it on the spoon, you put it in their hand and you let them put it in their mouth themselves instead of like that typical like airplaning it into their mouth. Um, this kind of sets them up for a good relationship with food in the future. And then you can quickly move on to those other consistencies once you feel comfortable as a parent. Of course, if you're comfortable right from the beginning and your baby is ready to go, then you can start with those other foods. So again, I always tell everyone your comfort level because you're the one sitting there feeding your baby. You want to feel confident. Otherwise, you know, we don't want any panicking parents while they're putting these foods in their mouth. Right. And it can be, I mean, it can be scary because I know that, um, you know, part of like the gag reflex, like is part like normal when it comes yeah. to learning yeah. how to eat, but it can totally be scary if you think that, you know, something is, you know, wrong, especially as a first time parent. Yeah, and that's such a good point. I always have um, suggest that before parents start in whatever manner you're going to start feeding your baby with, I suggest people take, um, you know, take a quick CPR class just so you're aware and to also learn the difference between gagging and choking because you're so right. Gagging is completely normal and it's something that they're absolutely going to do because think about it all they've had is liquid up until this point they don't know what to do with what's in their mouth and going into their throat so gagging is a learning process for them um, but you never want to you know lunge or scare or you know stick your finger into the mouth of a gagging baby because they can get that out themselves and that can actually cause choking so that's a really important thing to to kind of keep in mind when you're about to start is to try to learn the difference between a gagging baby and a choking baby, because you're right. Gagging is totally normal. Um, that is, yeah. It, the choking thing, like you can actually make them choke from, you know, if you're trying to help them get, you know, with the gagging exactly. when it's not really choking. Yep. Um, that's, that's an, that's a really, really good point. So what about, you know, if you want to start with purees, like what does starting with purees mean for people that may not understand that? Because, you know, there's people that think that you just go to the store and you buy the baby food and you give it to them and which is totally fine. And yep. some people do that. But what about like, what is the puree way of feeding mean? Yeah. So if you're going to start with purees, like you said, like if the easiest thing for you to do is or, you know, always to the, you know, the most affordable thing for you to do, but a lot of families make their own purees. So puree consistency is basically like what you think of, yes, a jarred baby food, or you think of like applesauce or yogurt or, or things like that. So you can do one of two things. You can choose foods that are naturally already in, you know, kind of a pureed consistency. So that would be something like I just said, applesauce, yogurt. Um, you could mash up a banana and put like a little bit of milk or breast milk into it and make that kind of a puree. Or you could make, you know, more fancy purees by putting foods, steaming foods like other vegetables, putting them into a blender, making them into that creamy consistency. Some people even do meats that way and things like that. So there are a lot of options with purees. Um, again, there's a 
now there's like tons and tons of companies too who do purees it's not like just that traditional like yes um, jarred little tiny jars of baby food anymore that you used to see you know there's all the pouches and things like that um and like I said if you want to promote that self-feeding method you can just put the puree on a plate in front of them load the spoon and hand it to them instead of kind of you know driving it into their mouth for them and then that kind of helps them learn how to eat too yes yes and I and um well, um, another, another tip is just, you may want to, I used to, my kids lost, used to love feeding themselves, but we used to drag the high chair in like kind of the middle of the kitchen so Never. that, <laughs> um, because it will get everywhere. It's so messy. It really is. It's so messy. Um, yes, it really can be. I mean, especially like if you tried to feed them soup. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I actually learned a little trick, um, side note, a little trick when it comes to soup, we, um, we loved soup. And so we would make a lot of it, but, um, you can either, uh, add like something like potatoes and then puree it a little bit. So it's thicker or like brothy soup. I used to put, um, cooked quinoa on it because the quinoa goes into the soup and it absorbs the liquid. And so it softens and makes it like a, a thicker texture yes, for them to be able a- to feed themselves. I think that you told me that and that is such an awesome idea. I hadn't seen anyone do that before and that you're right. Like it, then it's less of a like brothy type of fall off yes. thing. Um, so yes. that's an awesome idea. That's no promise that your floor is going to remain. Clean. No, it It'll won't remain clean. To, to get to yes. that mouth. <laughs> It'll just remain free of actual thin liquid. Right. <laughs> right. They'll yes. get, they'll get more. It is to get a dog to lick everything up. Totally. Totally. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, yes, we did not have a dog. We had a cat, so, um, he didn't do much for us, yeah, but yes, a dog is a great thing to have when you're trying to feed your baby there for you sure. Go. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about like, is there, um, a certain, is there foods that are better to like introduce to your baby first? I mean, I know we talked a lot about those natural soft foods, like bananas. I did my first food to my kids was usually like food, food was avocado yeah, um, because it was so easy. Um, but is there, you know, a certain list of foods that you think are best first, um, or ones to avoid, or what do you say? So if, um, you know, we used to say that, you know, you used to have to start with the rice cereal and then move quickly into other foods, but it's not necessarily the case anymore. You actually can really start with anything at this point. Um, but I do think parents like to hear an answer to this question. Like, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, you want to know, like, just please tell me what food I should be starting with. So I usually say like in those first couple weeks of practice, if you do want to start with actual, you know, food slices, like you were saying, Avocado is an awesome one. Um, avocado can be a little slippery for them sometimes. So I mm-hmm. recommend you can like roll it into, um, you can actually roll it in rice cereal powder. You could roll it in uh, flaxseed or you could roll it in, you know, oatmeal. So it's a little easier for them to grab. Um, but that's a really good one. Banana is an awesome one to start with roasted long strips of sweet potatoes you just want to make sure anything that you're feeding them you can smush between two fingers and that's a good consistency for them if you are going to start with purees you can kind of pick whatever you want and go from there um yeah and that's like this uh, another one is my um my oldest loved zucchini yeah so i would well and i would um actually i would skin it and then i would chop it 
and steam it um, and make sure you cool it. We actually had a really bad experience once with my husband and a zucchini. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it was terrible. Um, (laughs) But he, and then I just would let it sit on the counter and just come to come to room temp. And he loved picking it up and putting in his mouth because it was soft enough to like, he can mush it with his fingers, but then big enough pieces where he could like do the the whole pincer grass thing. Exactly. Um, zucchini is like, yeah, it's a great one. Yeah. And that's a really good point too, with the grasp. If you are going to start with, um, actual slices of food at six months old, babies don't have that pincer grasp yet. They have what's called a palmer grasp, which means basically looks like they're like raking up their food with four fingers and their thumb. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do want to use those long, thin strips, usually like the size of an adult pinky finger. Otherwise they're not going to be able to grab it. Usually they get that pincer grass when they're closer to like nine, 10 months where they can pick up those smaller type of pieces. Yes. Yes, exactly. If you're going to start with foods like that, you want to have a piece that they're big enough that they're able to pick up. It's all about consistency, not size. Yes. Yes, totally. Um, yeah, that's why he loved the zucchini because he could just you know, mash that with his little gums. Yep, exactly. Um, Awesome. Yeah, those are some great ideas. Um, And is there anything that we should avoid? So I know that sometimes I see people posting things about like strips of, you know, meat, harder meat and things like that. And they say that babies can just suck the juice out of that. I personally don't like to recommend that. Um, you know, for a brand new eater, there is the chance, you know, think about like a piece of steak or something. There is a chance a piece could break off and go, you know, back into their throat or something like that. Um, So anything that's, that's not able to squish between their two fingers, if it's pureed consistency, there's really not much to avoid. Um, You know, allergens, we want to introduce everything. The only time you want to avoid an allergen is if you have a family history of allergies or if they are suffering from like really bad eczema or something like that and there's a concern for a potential allergy you want to check with your pediatrician or your allergist before introducing them but other than that really babies where there's no concern for allergies you can introduce anything uh, with the proper consistency again awesome um And then what about honey? Let's talk a little bit about honey. Yes, Yes, you do want to avoid honey. Thank you. (laughs) Honey, um, so honey can contain a bacteria that's not safe until they're one. So honey, you want to avoid until 12 months of age. After that, they can have it. Um, Really, we don't want to add, you know, added sugar or a lot of added salt before they're one anyways. Um, Added sugar, they just, it's not really necessary. We, We actually avoid that until about two years of age. Um, and added sodium, we really want to be careful about that up until they're one, just because their little kidneys are so small, it's hard for them to process a large amount of sodium. So, you know, trying to avoid if you're cooking for the whole family and you're going to like salt the dish, I usually recommend, you know, try to take your baby's portion out before salting it or just have people salt their own plates if you like salt as a family um and then if you're gonna like look for packaged foods or or they're gonna have a higher sodium meal to try to avoid extra sodium the rest of the day so it kind of balances out and another thing I actually um have learned is that so we're I've learned that we're born with like our full functioning best um working taste buds and as we get older 
um, those taste buds are get weaker. And so that's kind of why like really old people, they need a lot of salt in their foods because they actually can't taste them. But when you're a baby, if you were to give a baby something salted, like you'd almost see them like, kind of like when they eat tart food, they almost like make this face like, because it's because that it's overwhelming for them. Like they have, there's so many, you know, there's so much sensory input coming in. Um, and that's like, they just don't need the salt. They just don't need it to um, taste the food. And I also like to say that we want, if we're going to teach our children to love, you know, things like fruit and vegetables, um, and want to, you know, actually enjoy them, letting them taste the like real flavor of them unsalted un you know, just cooked as it is, um, is so important. Yeah, exactly. And I think that parents get um, worried that they automatically, I I think there's like um, some type of stigma that kids just don't like vegetables automatically. And that's really not the case. You know, babies, especially they, they typically love most foods and Mm -hmm. it's all about exposure, especially as babies going into toddlerhood, because typically toddlerhood is when you start to, they start to get pickier, which is just natural for a toddler. Many, many toddlers are picky, even if you did everything right, feeding your baby, but the more times you can expose them to flavors when they're in their baby, you know, in that six month to a year range, the better because it's, it's all about exposure. And if as a toddler, they kind of start to not like that, it's okay, it's normal, but continue to expose them to it because you're right. The more times that they taste something, get the flavor of something, the easier it is for them to learn to enjoy that taste. Right, and it takes um, like 25 to 30 positive exposures for a child to actually decide if they don't like something. And positive means that you're not at the table forcing them to eat it. Positive means that they have a positive experience. And I think so many people like don't get that. Like when you're at a table and you say you have to eat this vegetable, that's not a positive exposure to the food. That's actually, actually hurting their relationship with that vegetable. A hundred percent. I'm so glad you brought that up that as um, one of the biggest things we follow as pediatric dietitians is the division of responsibility where um, you as a parent are in charge of what they're going to have, but they're in charge of if they eat it and how much they eat it. So you're so right. You don't want to be telling kids you need to take a bite. You have to take a bite take if you don't take a bite you don't get to do xyz because yes. what that's doing is making that food seem like a punishment to them and the more it seems like a punishment the more they're not going to want to eat it you know um so that's such a great point well and it's also telling them not to listen to their natural hunger cues so like yeah. you know when we sit at dinner and my i know you know my third one is a pill like he he will yell across the kitchen while i'm plating dinner that he hasn't even seen that he doesn't want it. So it is what it is. But you know, he will say, Oh, I'm full. And I will say, Okay, well, if you're full, then you may be excused because your belly's telling you you don't need any more food. Um, So no, you're not going to eat a cookie because your belly's full. You have to listen to your belly. We're not going to put cookies in there when your belly's full. Right. Um, and I explain it to him in that way. You know, I'm not saying you, and of course, like I do need him to eat more food before he's going to eat this giant sugary cookie, right. but it's explaining it to them in the way of when you say you're full, that says that your belly does not need any more food. So, 
Yeah, um, and it's really hard, you know, and it's harder as kids get older to explain that babies actually do that pretty naturally. And that's exactly why I call it infant self feeding. And I like to let them use the spoon themselves is because they are really great at knowing, okay, I'm full, I'm done. You know, yep. we kind of have like messed ourselves up as adults, and yes. teenagers, you know, by doing certain things that we no longer know how to listen to our hunger cues anymore. But babies are naturally really, really good at just saying, all right, I'm full, I'm done. Um, so yeah, it's really important to let them kind of learn to listen to their bodies when they're little so that they can do it better as they grow up. Of course, not always perfect, but you do the best you can. Yeah. Unless you're my oldest child who loves food so much, who, um, yeah, he used to eat. And if we weren't watching him, he'd eat so much, he would vomit. <laughs> So he really does love food. <laughs> like, I am not kidding. He is, he, I have worked, I have actually worked with him on this as he's gotten older and now he's great, but I'm not kidding. We were at a party once at, he was two years old. We were at this like fall potluck. He, maybe he was three because he it was at an age where we were able to let him like, tell him you can have this, this, this. And we allowed him to like, you know, get your food. He, we were sitting there talking to a group of adults and he came over and he literally vomited in, in the middle of our circle where we were standing. And I'm like, I was so embarrassed. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, he's fine. He's not sick. Um, he probably I just know. overfed himself. Right. Exactly. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Yeah. And he Cause he just, it. yes, he just loved the taste of it. And he yeah. just kept like eating and eating. And I had to like explain to him that like, you know, as he got older, I'm like, you can save this. We'll, we'll eat more of this tomorrow. Like you don't have to eat it all today. Like it was so funny. Um, speaking of that, while we, you know, we talk about like kids, you know, um, they're pretty good at, you know, knowing when they're full, knowing when they're not. Um, what about just in ge a general, like if you're planning, you know, dinners for your baby, like about how much do we feed, um, a, you know, kids per meal? Yeah, so um, typically, especially younger babies, you know, in that six month to one year range, they I like to start small on their plates for a couple reasons. First of all, a huge large portions can be overwhelming to them and they may not know exactly what to do with it yet. So I like to start small with everything, you know, a, a teaspoon or a tablespoon of certain foods or um, if you're serving like actual food, you know, one piece of banana with one piece of avocado and a little bit of egg, you know, a little portion of everything. And absolutely, if they want more of whatever portion that is, it's okay to give them more. Sometimes just overloading their plate at the beginning is overwhelming to them. Parents really, really, really get stuck on this because they say, oh, my baby only took a couple bites or, oh my gosh, I think my baby's eating too much. He keeps asking for more over and over again like we were just talking about, they really, really, really are good at knowing how much they need. And there's a lot of factors there. There's how much formula or breast milk or, you know, other meals that they had that day, or they're just tired. So their appetite's not as great, or they played really hard that morning. So they are hungrier. And they're not typically able to express those things to us verbally. So it's just coming out and how much they eat. So try to focus less on exact portions. And I would say just start small. And if they want more, absolutely give them more as long as you have it available. Uh, I love that focus less on the actual portion and yes. more about allowing them to guide. Exactly. Um, 
And that's like, and especially like what you just said that just like us as adults, you know, like we burn different things throughout the day. Like if, if your baby has played or, you know, has had a, even just a really busy day going from place to place, like they might want more food than they did yesterday when they were just kind of laying around all day. So that's a really, really, really good point. Yeah. Yep. Try to just, I know that it's tough. And as a parent, you just want to control what your kid does. And I always tell my clients, like, it's easier for me to tell you this than it is for me to do with my own kid, but as best you can in all aspects of feeding your baby, just try to let them be the guide. Yes, totally. Um, what about how often, like times of day? I mean, we have been, this is a struggle for me, like even as an adult, because, you know, we have these preconceived notions, like we wake mm-hmm. up and we have breakfast, midday, we have lunch, end of the day, we have dinner. But, you know, I, as I've gone through my own health and wellness journey, like I've kind of let go of this because I like to listen to my body and decide, you know, when I'm hungry, like I don't often eat lunch at a certain time. I kind of just wait to see when I'm hungry. So what about with baby? Is there a certain time of days that we should be um, feeding them or? Yeah. So when they're, when they're first starting, they are still getting the majority of their nutrition from either formula or breast milk. So typically they only really need one meal um, a day. And this meal sometimes can be a couple bites or it can be more depending on the baby. But you again, if your baby seems to be, you know, like your son was like really excited, wanting more, it is okay to add in that second meal. I usually tell parents to start with whatever meals easiest for them that they can sit down with their baby because modeling is so important. So if the only time of day that you're all home together is dinner time, then start feeding your, you know, six month old around the dinner meal and then you can add in the breakfast meal in a month or so and then add in the lunch meal in another month um they are in a bit more of a schedule at this age just because you don't want them to not get the the formula or breast milk that they're used to having we still want them to get that so we try to space out food solid foods or purees about an hour from a bottle or a feeding so that's kind of what i recommend at that point and then by the time they're 10 months old they typically are eating you know three three pretty good sized meals a day plus still getting um their milk feedings until they're about a year old yes so um yeah 10 that sounds about right i started I did not, my, my boys were mostly formula. My first was all formula. My second was a little bit, I didn't produce um, breast milk. Um, My third, I produced a little bit more, Um, but I started weaning them from like the formula around nine, 10 months or so and started putting it more in a, um, I started with straw cups. I never did sippy cups, but um, putting it more with like um, cups, like, you know, to get them getting, you know, used to that with their meal. Yeah. And again, like, just like you said, just right around that nine, 10 month mark, when they really start to pick up on a lot of solids, they're going to naturally take less formula or breast milk anymore anyways, just because they're not as hungry for it because they've gotten more nutrition from their solid foods. So yeah, that's awesome. And also the um, straw cups are really great too. Yes. Um, My um, sister, actually, she's a speech therapist and she is the one that suggested starting with straw cups and skipping the whole sippy cup thing is, is good because as adults, we don't really have a use for the, for the skill of a sippy cup. And, but we drink straw, you know, through straws all the time. So 
strengthening that. And um, the sippy cup is just a very different um, skill, like yeah, to drink so from good. a sippy cup. Yep. And it, it actually helps with, you know, strengthening speech and um, speech mortar type stuff. So um, yeah, that's why I did struck ups. And it's, it's funny, babies will it's drinking from a straw is, is hard for them to figure out, but you will see the moment they figure it out because yes, you know. all of a sudden they're all, Whoa, oh my God, and it's coming what up. was that? I know. <laughs> and then once they get it, they usually have it. Like it's yeah. not, you know, yes. It's so funny. Like just, I remember their, their face of each of what, when they finally figured it out, it was hilarious. I was like, yep, there it is. But this is why I love babies so much. Cause every like new thing that they learned, it's so exciting for them. Like, Oh, um, then how about like, I think we've talked a little bit about this too, but as far as your advice as like a dietitian, when it comes to making sure our kids are getting the right nutrients, like yep. what are some tips that you can give parents? Yeah, definitely. So when, when they're first starting out with foods and in that first, you know, year, even up to two years of life are the really big things that we want to look for when we're feeding our babies is to make sure on each plate of food, they have a source of iron and then a produce. So a fruit or vegetable and a source of fat, they really do need fat for brain development. And I think that looks right away from fats. Um, So that's really important. So, you know, you can get your fats from healthy fats like avocados and whole full fat dairies and nut butters and things like that. Um, Iron sources can be meats, they can be tofu, they can be beans. Um, There's, you know, you can look this up online and it's, it's pretty accurate as to what, you know, where iron comes from, where fat comes from, and then a fruit or a vegetable. Those are the really important things to try to include on a plate, you know, through at least a year up until two years. And then usually after that, I recommend having a carbohydrate, a fat and a protein, and that can include your fruits and vegetables too. Just making sure that their plates are balanced. I love that. I love that. Um, just that separation of first and then next. Um, cause I think people get really, you know, kind of confused because as adults, we, you know, I always say, you know, I'm a equal opportunist when it comes to macronutrients and I don't believe any of them are the devil. Um, yeah. I yeah. carbs, fat, protein, they're all super important. Um, and, uh, I actually had a pediatrician on once that, that I've said the statistic over and over again on my podcasts and on my, in my business, but she said that, you know, 95% of our country is obsessed with protein, but in fact, 95% of our people, like we don't have a protein issue, but 95% of people actually do have a fiber issue. So um, it's just a, it's a pretty staggering, you know, thing, like when you think about it. So it's like, cause we're so focused on, on things and, and that's the other issue. Like when, you know, we talk about, you know, oh, you know, low carb like this, you're also taking a par- taking away so much fiber and things like that. And that's where we start to have issues. Um, but yeah. back on the, the iron, I was going to say one of the things my kids loved. And one thing I loved giving to them when they were little was lentils because lentils yeah. are super small and they're yep. filled with iron. And if you live by a Trader Joe's, they sell pre-cooked lentils. <laughs> they you know, they're amazing. I use them all the time. And I used to buy them constantly for my kids when they were little. And I would like, when I was making dinner, I would just put a little bit on their like tray and just let them, you know, like play with them, yeah, get it in their mouth. Them, yeah. 
and just like super, super quick and easy. Trader Joe's is just so good for so many things. Oh my gosh, it really is. The one thing I, I do say that it's not good for, at least the one by me is produce because their produce goes bad so fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if you're going to use it right away, it's great. I just can't, I usually shop for like, you know, a week. And so yeah. I, I only get their produce when I like am going to use it. But they do have some like, like great, like chopped butternut squash that are, you know, pre-cooked and these little yeah. tiny zucchini squashes that I liked. Yeah. And, I mean, things that like were great that I use right away, but yeah, they do. They have some awesome, um, some awesome stuff there. We basically live on those lentils and their, um, their frozen brown rice. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. I know they just pop it in the microwave and you're good to go. I know. And the texture is amazing. Cause I like my rice al dente. So it's, um, go. and that's it. Yeah. It's awesome. It's perfect. Um, this was fabulous. Thank you so much for sharing all this information. Um, I, it's just, it's such a good, easy guide, quick start of if you're looking to feed your baby, I think, you know, it covered everything and made it so much easier than it seems to be. It can be so overwhelming. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Good. I'm so glad it was helpful. And thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. Absolutely. And for all of you listening, thank you so much for being here and listening to this episode. I really hope it was helpful. And if you love this podcast, please leave me a rate and review on that purple podcasting app, because the more I get, um, the more people I can get on to give you guys the great information that I'm sharing. And ultimately, that's kind of what it's about. But thanks, everybody. Thanks for being here.